What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast here on this Friday. We apologize for not having a North Dakota recap at the start of this week. Kind of just put it off and realize we'll just combine the two with the Illinois State recap uh, because we knew that, you know, it was, a, it was a nice win. And we'll get into that just to like short recap it, uh, some of the good things that happened. But it was kind of a dominating win. We will talk about that along with some other things. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. No, like I said, we'll talk about North Dakota dub. I mean, it was a dominating win. We'll jump into it, small recap of it. But let's start this thing out with some news that have happened. One yesterday and one a couple of days ago. Some big news. What's going on? Yeah, um, got some uh, big schedule changing news and uh, uh, some recruiting news. Um, one that we were waiting on a decision. Finally got it. Um, but yeah, uh, coming off a another great response, another finally starting to stack uh, some good games together here. So um, really good week. Uh, yeah, things got in our way this week again. We decided to just put them together, and uh, yeah, we got some big news. Yeah, this win that we'll get into here shortly. It was definitely a uh, one that we think puts us even more back on track to our season going into tomorrow. But yes, let's kick off with that big news, and honestly, caught us by surprise because, as we know, the new schedules came out not too long ago, maybe barely a month ago for the twenty three and twenty four seasons. We knew we were playing. You know, we know we talked about the only notable game in twenty twenty three's Northern Illinois. We were focused on that next year, Noah, and it was we knew we were going to Lawrence, Kansas. We thought we were. We know we've talked about the uh, the jump start of a program that they're starting to have this season. But no, that game got scratched all of a sudden, and now we are headed to Utah, Provo, Utah, to face off with BYU. And no, as we know, BYU is a really quality program. They have been. They're building something. They've kind of scuffled, I guess, a little bit this season. We'll jump into it. They got a win late last night. Uh, but this is this is another nice win. It's honestly just as big as Kansas, maybe even bigger. BYU's been ranked, and they've had some quality players. What do you think about this? Yeah, obviously this is a big change. Um, make some changes because we were planning on making the trip out to Lawrence is not a bad trip. Um, but yeah, I mean BYU is becoming a perennial top twenty-five program all all of a sudden, and I think. Um, I believe in next year or the year after, whenever Oklahoma and Texas leave, I believe they are part of the group that's joining the Big 12. So it will be a Big 12 member. But, yeah, Kalani Sataki has that program really turning upwards, obviously. Um, they sent Zach Wilson to the NFL, and they got a pretty good quarterback in Jaron Hall right now. So um, I told you uh, I, we have two years to plan it, but I'm going to find my way at the Provo. Yeah, it'll be a cool trip. Uh, we know that side of the country, you know, the views itself are tremendous. And I can imagine watching a football game. We see even in the FCS, the Montana schools have like the amazing views as well. Great places to watch football. Yeah, that would be a really fun trip. And like we've said, they're, they're a quality program. You're right. You narrowed down Zach Wilson. You know, he's actually starting off injury this week in the NFL. <clears throat> Second overall pick produced there. They they produce players. So it's nice. So we were guaranteed to get about 500,000 from Kansas and we're getting about 560 total now. And we're actually still getting paid from Kansas, about 135,000 and 425 from BYU. So that's combined 400 or 560,000, which is obviously great. 
We know the payout we got from Northwestern a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mean, obviously, Noah, that number, we, we talked about how some schools get paid a couple million to go, and maybe someday we can do that. If we can, you know, be the team we want to be to where even you get paid a whole lot being the FCS program you are, you can go in there and try to win with all this. Um, it's kind of cool seeing that we're still getting paid from Kansas. It's like they feel bad for bailing on us because, no, we found out that Lindenwood is now going there to replace us on their spot. So it's a little strange, but, no, that's a big payout and one that we hope that we can obviously get another dub with all that cash. Yeah, absolutely. It's a another big opportunity. Not exactly um, sure if Tim Leonard, the new AD, has had anything to do with it or exactly uh, the whole process here um, to change the schedule. But, yeah, I mean, Candace was – I mean, looks like um, would have been a really good opportunity for us as well. Um, we know one of the most underrated coaches in Lance Leipold out there has that program really going in his first couple of years. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. But, uh, yeah, obviously now we're going to – obviously it's not to the level of what we've seen some Missouri Valley schools um, playing some really – perennial powerhouses out of the Big Ten and, and SEC and stuff, but um, looks like we'll get our shot at a, a top 25 team coming up. Yeah, I actually like this. Like we said, they, they've been ranked. You know, they're a really quality program. And yeah, they haven't been to FBS uh, independent program since 2011. Uh, and then, then you mentioned the there's one of the Big 12 next year. Uh, I think it honestly might be bigger than Kansas. If Kansas keeps it up, we know they're French top 25 right now. BYU's been right before they lost to your Ducks. And then, uh, like I said, barely squeaked out a win yesterday. But I think it's just as good or better. You're right. It would be nice to get, like, you know, an Ole Miss again or even bigger than that. You know, we talked about the other FCS teams and Valley teams facing those top SEC schools. It would be nice even scheduling, like, an Alabama or anything. But. Uh, imagine the payout for even going and doing something like that would be really cool of like the utmost, but uh, we'll run down the schedules here for the next now with uh, this game in there, but Noah, let's, or I'll go through it real fast and we'll talk about maybe some other big schools that we might face in the coming years that we kind of recall the potential of. So now, yes, uh, well, you know, 2023 at Northern Illinois, we've talked about September 9th is the biggest game at SEMO and then Austin P at home to start the year before we have a, a slate of conference games, which a lot of good ones again. Next year we get South Dakota State and at North Dakota State, but we know at Murray State's in there. We talked about them earlier. They are winless on the year. They're struggling. It's going to be – if it's a test for them in the OVC, it's going to be a test for them uh, when they get here. But we know they're in there, and then they're also in there in 2024. But at BYU now, it kicks off that season August 31st. And then, like we, like we talked about, that's a, a late August start of the season. That's a first. And then – and Carnot Word will get a rematch against them in a couple of years with a conference schedule after that as well. But, Noah, like I said, we talked about it earlier that maybe the potential of some of those bigger schools, if they're not SEC schools, we're back in the Big Ten maybe, but we're thinking even the year after that, 2025, right, Wisconsin, and maybe the year after that, the Illini. Yeah, obviously we were supposed to um, obviously get um, a Wisconsin chance, but COVID changed those plans. Um, I looked into it a little bit since we talked earlier today, and like you mentioned, it's Northern Illinois. Um, then the next year, uh, obviously we talked about BYU. Then you said Austin P. Then Incarnate Word makes that return game, and obviously there's that SEMO game. Um, 
but uh, the year after that, 2025 is still there is no buy game yet, but we do add UT Martin to the 2025 schedule. So you have a road game at two OVC schools and UT Martin and SEMO, obviously, um, that year. Uh, 2026 is the road trip to Champaign to play uh, Illinois. Then 2027, uh, I can't remember earlier if it was year before or year after. So 2027 is your tra- is your is your chance to go see Wisconsin Badgers. So uh, got a few years. Obviously, we've seen right here things change. So, uh, but some opportunities along the way, like I mentioned, we were discussing uh, today. You got to win. At Northwestern this year, the next year, you get a chance to go up to uh, DeKalb to beat uh, Northern Illinois. So uh, that just shows – that's just recruiting pitches. If you can beat them next year, obviously that's a long ways away. But uh, you you start northern part of the state, you can start recruiting heavier um, if you keep beating those schools up there. Yeah, bingo. We talked about that. We talked about the Nick Baker – and why he was upset he didn't get recruited by Northwestern. And honestly, you know, with his size, it's reasonably so, uh, even with the success that he had. But, yeah, we did talk about it that, you know, even it almost seems like it'd be tough. Northwestern would have to be totally down in the dumps, which, you know, they they lost again last week. We'll get into that. But, uh, you know, they would have to be – like it's a Big Ten school nonetheless, especially if you're from Chicago. Uh, you know, some people's dreams could be playing, yeah, at Northwestern over any other, you know, DePaul and Loyola for basketball. But uh, for football, for sure, the Northwestern seems like the place Chicago uh, kids want to go. So, and we know where we are definitely a Chicago pipeline. But, so, yeah, stealing kids to the level of, you know, maybe the three stars that would consider a Northern Illinois for a good program and not go to Northwestern. It would take for us to – like I said earlier, kind of maybe finishing a top four in the FCS and competing at the very end for a championship for us to steal players from a Big Ten Northwestern, potentially, no matter how they are. That might be how it is, but we know that we're, you know, we have the potential to do that. So you're right. Stealing and beating these, those Northern teams to get all that, I agree with you. That is definitely big. And Nick and Mike Reese was on in the dog uh, house last week and actually mentioned that. Um and we also mentioned, yeah, Illinois. I thought we should play – it's kind of like how it is in basketball. It feels like every other year we should be playing Illinois in both sports, if not every year. I feel like that's a, that's a great opportunity. We know in basketball they're playing Eastern Illinois and stuff like that, but we need to find a way to get on their schedule for either of those sports. So you're right, because like I said, it came out a month ago when those schedules announced, and all of a sudden it's changed. So you're right, it could definitely change. I mean, that's five years down the line to the max, so anything – can happen with that but we are scheduling big schools and we're proving that we can beat those schools so hopefully we can sustain it ourselves as time goes on so that's big news now let's talk about the other big news that happened yesterday you're right uh something that we've been expecting and announcement wise but definitely maybe going towards us we know cameron white or cameron yeah cameron white wide receiver got some link to him like he moved his commitment from tomorrow to uh yesterday or today to yesterday, whichever one, he moved it a day up. No, we landed Cameron White. Like I said, we were kind of expecting this one, and luckily we did. Let's let's dive into Cameron. He's a talent. Yeah, he's a he's a really good talent, uh, 6'2", uh, wide receiver uh, from Huntsville, Alabama. Um, a really – a guy that has the speed and the, the can go up and get a ball. 
uh, jump ball as a receiver, really big talent. Um, we're starting, obviously, we mentioned we already have two commits from down there in, in Prattville, Alabama. Um, this time we're in Huntsville. Um, so hopefully with this big addition, uh, he chose us over Arkansas State, um, which that's a, a decent – I know Butch Jones is their, their head coach now. We played them a couple years ago. Uh, Fordham was on there and some other smaller schools. I think UT Martin was also in there. So going to add another really good wide receiver to the wide receiver room. Uh, I know Coach Watson, uh, Coach Dalman's been big down in Alabama. Um, we know when we were discussing the offseason, he had been down in Mississippi, Alabama. So uh, I think we're also in on uh, Cameron's teammate, Seth Lawson, uh, offensive lineman. Seen him retweeting some of his stuff today. So uh, maybe he can join his teammate, and that makes four Alabama commits maybe. Uh, but, yeah, obviously Cameron White, a very talented receiver. Uh, we know we got some young receivers, so he's going to come join a really talented receiver room next year. Yeah, and who knows? We know the ones that are sitting out this year, uh, even like Brian Brown is a converted to a receiver. This guy's – you know, straight up receiver coming in and he's got great size. hundred percent. You watch his tape. We retweeted his huddle tape. It's about 30 seconds long, but no, I mean, he's really good in the red zone and makes really, yeah, really good contested catches in the end zone for touchdowns and a guy they can rely upon a lot. I'm sure. And you're right. Good Kudos to Mark Watson and Dowman for making the, making the rounds to convince a lot of these guys. And we know Mark Watson does an incredible job in like the St. Louis area, but, uh, you know, these guys are big making those southern trips. Yeah, he did say he made a had a, he had a uh, notes page that he wrote in his notes and posted with the cool edits that he committed to us. And he said he just, you know, thanks his his teammates in his school and his uh, staff and his trainers and his family. And then said he committed to Southern Illinois University. Go Saluki. So great to see. Yeah, great size, uh, 3.4 GPA. Just a really quality get for that young receiving room to keep it going as years go on. And like we said, we talked about Alan Middleton. He's committing next month some uh, sometime, and we're looking to maybe potentially get him as well with the other options that he's got. So if we can rack in these receivers. That would be great news moving forward. So landing Cameron White to this 2023 class over time. We were at the by the end of this, we will talk about the other commits and what they did this past week and what they're doing tonight in their games. But, Noah, let, let's dive into this game that happened last Saturday. Uh, neither of us went to it, but obviously we were able to keep up with it and uh, watch it. And like I said, uh, we put it off to combine them because we knew, you know, offense was great in this game. We'll get into it. We'll get into some box scores and some quotes. Uh, but, Noah, 34-17 win. Like I said, kind of in control the whole way. Jacob Garrett had two more touchdowns in this game. And they joked after the game about him being an All-American tight end. And he's having just a tremendous couple of weeks, as is Nick Baker. We'll get to uh, where him and Avante stands and all-time ranks. Again, I'm sure Michael posts those, and it'll be week by week kind of thing. But, uh, no, like I said, you were maybe you were able to watch it as much. Anything that stuck out to you, we'll get to some takeaways, and we'll get into the box score of things to this game. Like I said, it was kind of a dominating performance. Yeah, I mean, SIU's offense really really got things going. Obviously, uh, you mentioned Jacob Garrett with the two touchdowns. He got us going. Uh, Nick Baker found him to really get us going. I mean, we outscored them 10 nothing in the first quarter. 
the defense has finally hit, taken their strides. I mean, Brandon Combs uh, watching this guy play. I mean, we talked about him before the Northwestern game and really hadn't seen much out of him, but um, he must have listened to us on this podcast because ever since we've talked about him, how we haven't really seen much out of him. He's taking that next level. I, I know, obviously, the confidence of getting a pick in the Northwestern game playing well, then he had a pick six taken away. But um, he's really stepping up the defense. Petrino calling really good game plan. And, yeah, they really, really dominated this game, um, beating a really good football team, uh, really good effort. Um, obviously, like you said, we weren't able to make it, but um, always love having an ESPN Plus game so we can go back and watch it. Yeah, and that's what tomorrow's game, thankfully, is as well. You're right. I mean, whether Branson listened to us or he just flipped the switch. I mean, he's a totally different player. It, it only takes that one game. And lo and behold, that Northwestern game against competition like that where, yeah, you should have had a pick six and then you had one before that. He had six tackles in the first half of this game. So, I mean, he was definitely everywhere. We mentioned how we, we noticed on Mark Davis, who we thought – you know, earn maybe Northwestern at the Northwestern game, a spot on the depth chart at least. Uh, he he was tied with Clayton, which we'll get – Clayton had a whirlwind of a game in this one once again. We'll get into that. But Mark Davis was third on the – tied for second on the team in tackles at halftime. So, you're right. We did shut them out, uh, and then they were able to drop 10 on us in the second quarter. We were able to match them with 14. So, yeah, we had a 24-10 to 10 halftime lead. And – uh Jake had a 34-yard field goal in the first quarter as well. Noah Deontay in the second quarter. Well, Tyler Hoosman was the only one that scored touchdowns for them in this game. Had one in the second and one in the fourth. Schuster, Noah, it, we talked about how he's similar to Nick just in terms of size. But, Noah, I mean, Tommy, he can, and speaking of that, just Stone Labanowitz, we know, did the game as well and did a really good job. Uh, and then the next day I noticed that he would the NBA had the media day and he was at the Heat's media day like the next day or two. So he's he's a busy guy and he did do a good job in this game. And Schuster reminds us of Stone and Nick a little bit. Stone, you know, Tommy didn't make any mistakes. He was 19 of 32 in the game, but you know, we were able to get to him. And outside, of, I mean, Hoosman seven of 31 on the ground with the two touchdowns. Like I said, he was the only one doing anything. Uh, it's kind of like last year. Now I'm just watching on TV that they have a really short. Like, we have a huge sideline, a lot of players. They either don't dress and bring a lot or they just don't have – they just rely on a lot of – maybe that's why they don't win a lot, per se, definitely on the road, maybe because they travel and they have a lot of people have, you know, play multiple facets of the game, special teams and everything with not having, a you know, a lot of players on the sideline. But, you know, they um, – we know they're, they're feisty. They're a much better home team than they are a road team, I believe. So – like I said, outside of that, Nick had 11 of Nick was really efficient in this game, had 183, three touchdowns in the first half. No, that Deontay play, Deontay Cox play, just over the middle, and then he just beat the defense for a 67 yarder. No, we'll get to it at the end what the box score looks like, maybe even what the halftime box score looked like with the brothers. No, Deontay and Avante. <clears throat> it's good to see Avante after we talk about his hand at the end of the Northwestern game that he looks fine and played fine. No, the Cox, I mean, Imagine we talked about it. Deontay was hurt last year. If we added him with what we had last year, I mean, heck, who knows what could have happened? We would have won a little bit more games and could have anything could have. We've talked about that before. But no, Deontay's having a heck of a year. Him and his brother, the Cox brothers, are leading us all the way, them and Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those three, um, 
incredible what the Cox brothers are doing. Um, they're really they're really carrying the wide receiver group right now. Um, not getting a lot of anything. Obviously, Isaiah Hardship's still out with his injury. Um, but we wondered, um, obviously, uh, Landon Lenore graduating. We wondered who would be that next guy on the other side. Obviously, we thought it would be Isaiah but with injury. We didn't know who it would be. And Deontay's really stepped up. I mean, the slant, the the slant he had, and he took it sixty yards. Just showing his speed and ability, uh, the run after catch, just really incredible. Then yeah, then Jacob Garrett, two more touchdowns. Nick Hill mentioned it uh, in the locker room after the game that we got a All American tight end gro- grooming right now, and it's incredible leader what he's been doing. Um, yeah, those three right there, Vontae being healthy, staying healthy. We were worried after his hand injury, but he came back super quick. And now um, the Cox brothers and um, the use of the tight end is becoming a really lethal threat. Then you throw in Javon when the catches he's making um, still amazes me. Yeah, Javon, I think we talked about it. He's- the MVP of the FCS at times that he's played like it. And this is like the true value, you know, valuable player that he's showing with his versatility. Yeah, he had another good game. Uh, you're right. I mean, and what was it? Jacob had three touchdowns in his four-year career. And now he's had four the last two weeks. So, I mean, he's – I mean, we talked about it before the season. We didn't think he'd be doing this in a two-week stretch, but we said Jacob Garrett's got to be in our top ten, you know, most important players to kick off this season. And – because we know Nick was talking about him a lot and just being his last year, even though it seems like Noah that he might have some more eligibility potentially, but I don't know if, uh, you know, if he'll do it anymore after this year, but well, it's just incredible what he's done for sure. So yeah, after that De- Deontay touchdown, they kicked the a field goal, which they had better field goal kicking. Like I said, they're, they're going to end up making a, uh, I guess they just had this, but uh, remember the kicker that they didn't have last year, they had a guy fill in, but had a 32 yarder. Then Noah Vonte had a nice sideline touchdown in the red zone uh, right before halftime, which was a cool play. It almost seems like only him can do it with his, uh, you know, his uh, speed. And uh, there's another word I'm looking for. I can't think of it, but his speed in general, eight-yard touchdowns. So, like I said, Nick, three touchdowns at half, 24 to 10 score. And then the only score in the third quarter was another Jacob Garrett up the middle, 25-yarder uh, to give him that second. And then Huseman, uh got on the board again. They cut the 14, and then Jake nailed a 45-yarder near the, about seven and a half left in the game to give us double to double them up and give us a 17-point victory. It was good because we know North Dakota was ranked higher than us in the uh, uh, stats perform um, rankings, so it was a good one for us. And we'll get to more rankings if we land it on any again this week. But no, let's dive into that in that box score by the end of the game. Or quickly before we dive into it, because they got shout out in the locker room. Nick gave a shout out. Noah Sean Lester, we know he dressed the Northwestern game and he dressed again in this one. He got a carry in this one and they gave him a game ball in the locker room or just shouted him out because we know Pop Jones been dealing with injuries and not playing his whole career that, you know, Tony Williams, but Noah Sean Lester again. I mean, six yard run. It was a good, uh, it was about what, somewhere in the second half, but uh, great to see Noah because we know, I mean, Justin Strong had a decent game with Romir 16 of 66 on the ground for him. Sean Lester might be the, the future of our backfield, Noah. Yeah, obviously we know we know what Pop Jones can do in the limited time we've seen him. Um, but yeah, Sean Lester, a true freshman, um, getting some snaps snaps in that um, 
incredible. I don't know exactly. I mean, and it's obvious that he's showing in practice for him to see the field and over. It just makes we seen it last year with a four a four man uh, running back room. So um, if you can keep other guys fresh and he can start running and getting downhill um, with his speed and size and power, um, it can it can really be effective to wear out some defenses and really stretch the field with all our other weapons. So yeah, really good to see. Um, glad he got his first carry uh, of his career um, because he'll be getting a lot more. Yeah, and, and again, we, we were trying to make predictions before the year of which true freshman could play this season, and he definitely was not on the radar of thinking about it just because of our running back room, but he's earned it, and it's cool to see him get his first touch in college. Today. Yeah, the first of many, without a doubt. So, yeah, Nick was definitely efficient, 21 of 27 for 289 and four tutties, about 78% uh, passer rating, completion percentage, so that's great. Uh, Javon did throw a pass in this game. It's for 21 yards. We know he he can throw it. He can do it all. Like I said, Romero, 16 of 66. Good to see uh, just him get that kind of yardage. A lot of attempts, which is good to see with Romero. We will talk about, again, the great offensive line play, and Romero was able to do that against a good North Dakota front. Justin, 9 of 42. And then Javon. Good to see Javon get back. I mean, five yards of carry, 7 of 40. Uh, and 15 was his longest. That was a yard, the longest of the backfield guys. So it's great to see Javon get involved. We know it was rushing and uh, or receiving and throwing in weeks prior. Now it's rushing for sure, not just on. We know some of those were on Wildcats as well, but good to see him active with that. And then Nick had a rush for four yards. And then Noah, he, again, the Cox brothers, 7 of 90 for Avante with that touchdown. Deontay, 4 of 88, 22 per catch for Deontay. We know that was pretty much thanks thanks to his 67 yard touchdown but Bryce Miller two of 18 and Javon had the one of 17 and then Zach Gibson got a catch so did Tice it's weird seeing tight no I think the emergence of Jacob clearly you know we know Tice had the touchdown against Northwestern so it's a week by week thing but that's how deep we are and you know whoever's game it is whoever you know then that's their game we know Tice is big in a lot of other facets it'd be nice to see him more involved in the receiving game but no anything else stick out to you on the offense at the end of this one yeah, obviously, the emergence of Jacob Garrett, what he's been able to do. Um, we've seen him a lot early in the season in the first two games. We discussed it. Um, he would line up and line up wide, and we thought, well, obviously, he's not really a receiving threat, but it, what he's becoming, obviously, a um, couple of routes in this game, he made one uh, where he stuck his foot in the ground and made a cut and uh, got open for a first down. I mean, He's becoming a pretty good receiver. Obviously, we know he, he's caught a couple touchdowns um, off some big plays um, in the Wildcat before. But, yeah, obviously, Tice, um, he has his moments. He has um, comes in there, does a really good job in the run game as well. So, um, offense, like you said, offensive line, no sacks. Um, that's big time. Be able to protect, give Nick his time um, to move the ball. Um Obviously, um, really sticks out on the stat sheet for me. Uh, nothing against the kid, but Nathan Torney didn't see the field. No punts for Nathan Torney on Saturday. Yeah, I think we mentioned that before. Like, we're hoping to not punt in this game. We were saying that against SEMO. Definitely the home games against home games against winnable opponents uh, that we're hoping not to. We know against Northwestern, maybe against Missouri State, and maybe Illinois State tomorrow with the atmosphere. We'll get into that. Uh, potential of it, yeah, and hopefully he's been practicing. We know he will get in. There was a video of uh, 
him and Jake with some uh, uh, girls soccer players. They were having like these events of seeing what they could do on the football field of kicking footballs and then soccer balls as well. It was cool. But yeah, so hopefully he's been working on that to, to make it higher because we do want to keep flipping the field well. So yeah, then on defense of this game, uh, we had seven sacks, which is great. Richie had two uh, and two QB hits. David Miller had a sack. We know he likes the corner blitz. Branson had a sack. Quentin Lee, it's good to see. He's been active the last couple of weeks. That's good to see. He was a late addition to the team. We got him like in late May, and then here he is making making plays. Uh, Dewey Green, another sack. He's got two of the last couple of weeks. And then George Douglas, a half sack, and Keenan, a half sack. Keenan had a an interview that just reminded me because I forgot to listen to it. It just reminded me that he did. And then a lot of other had QB hits as well. Kiki Barola, Dune Smith, and Lewis Wilbur. You're right. I mean, us getting seven sacks and then with knowing how, you know, elusive Schuster is and then us not giving up any is massive. We know Antonio had two brass breakups. Clayton had one and David had one. San Antonio did not start but made an impact in this one. And then when we outgained them by – let's see here. What was it? It was – I had it on here. What, what was the – let me see. I had it here. Uh, outgain them or if you have it in front of you it was a pretty big wide margin that of was... what we did oh 458 to 271 so incredible i mean the kind of difference that could be in a matchup uh i got some quotes noah but uh any like team stats other than that like we talked about how you know giving anything on defense that stuck out to you like i said we were able to get to the quarterback richie getting two is a big deal I mentioned Quentin Lee's late emergence to the team and doing good now. Anything stick out to you on defense? Yeah, obviously the sacks are, are really good. Um, didn't cause any turnovers, but um, really good, really good effort. Obviously there was that, uh, I think Dewey had a forced fumble um, late in the game. So Dewey's emergence, i like to see a lot more of Dewey. Um, but, yeah, this defense is really coming on its own. Obviously, we've seen it grow since uh, the first two weeks. I know um, Petrino wasn't happy um, about those first two weeks, and they really, really turned it on. This defense is growing; they're starting to gel, and it, it's obvious that Richie being stepping up and being relentless, and Branson Combs, I mentioned earlier, really, really excited about this team can even grow and learn even more and become even more dominant. Um, because it's going to have to be big down the stretch here, obviously, um, in the Missouri Valley. But, yeah, really good um, really good outcome. Um, still some things we can clean up here and there, but defensively a really dominant performance. I'm glad you said clean up something right there because it was one of my takeaways. I only had a few, you know, the fact that we were so good offensively and good in every, every single facet. I had, did have a couple, but it was – and I think we've had this at times this year, but definitely showed up in this one. We had, uh, you know, on defense, we'd have a third and long to try to get off the field to, uh, you know, get a stop. And, you know, the offense went in a couple of times. They didn't even uh, get anywhere close to a first down, but we gave them the flag for it. I forgot what the first one was. There were two in this one. Uh, but Noah Clayton had a big one. Like I said, he had a whirlwind, and we'll get to another play he made. He had a and he uh, had a potential targeting play, which got ended up not being one. He hit him with his shoulder. But, you know, in, the, in those moments when Clayton gets a hit, it looks like could potentially be targeting. But, uh, like I said, I, there was a couple moments in this game, a couple times, third and long for the opponent that we bailed them out to get a first down because we had some bad penalties. I forgot what the other one might have been. a uh, 
a uh, rough in the passer maybe, which I don't remember who that was on, but I, I think there were a couple times. Those are things we could clean up, but Noah, the offensive line easily is also another take because we talked about North Dakota had a good front. We were able to keep Nick Baker clean with the zero sacks. And then Noah Dan Clark had an interview with Mike Trude. And on the North Dakota side, when he was asked and talked about it, uh, jump into what Dan had to say about the performance of the offensive line to this point, obviously keeping them healthy and keeping the one line that we had right now. Yeah, obviously, um, Dan talked about um, he's been in this, he's been doing this for 25 years and uh, he hasn't seen anything like the first couple of weeks of where you were playing multiple different, multiple different lineups in certain series that you didn't know playing eight or nine guys. Um, but, Finally, seeing these five guys starting in that Northwestern game, obviously because some of these injuries, but um, starting to gel and communicate better, and really, obviously coming off no sacks, you want to do that every week, but um, that's big time. Um, obviously, he's really he's really proud of these guys the way they're starting to gel. Like I said, but um, obviously, he spent six years um, at Illinois State, so Mike Trude asked him if he had this one circled. And uh, obviously he does. So this is a big one for him this weekend. For sure. And we know he's done a good job. We talked about his relationship with Nick Baker. Nick's talked about that. So Dan does do an incredible job. And just finding the right one. We know that, you know, unfortunately for Sam Buck, he's had concussions. So he hasn't been, you know, in this new revamped offensive line. But it only took some chemistry. Yeah. And it took moving Bo to left tackle. Abu Torre, we've liked him for a while. You noticed he had maybe he was just filling in, but in you know fall and, or spring and fall and summer that he was with the first teamers, and then um, you move Jake Green from left to left or left tackle to left guard. We know Koffel has had a hit or miss start to the season, but he's been good lately, being uh, undersized. And then uh, who's at right guard? I think we talked about this earlier. Um, it will be Chase Evans at right guard, Jake Green at left guard. Okay, and they've all done. I mean, we talked about. Calvin Francis, don't know his status. We'll get to an injury that Nick talked about, other injuries. But we don't know anything on him. No one's talked about Calvin. Like I said, maybe a case of emergency. But it's just just a tremendous job. You're right. And, yeah, Dan said that in all those years, it's like, you know, there's a you know a rolled ankle. There, I'm never – he's – yeah, he's never seen anything like it almost to, to an extent. But it's good to have our guys in place. That was definitely a takeaway along with cleaning up those bad penalties, like I said, on long downs for the opponent so we can get off the field and not extend drives for, for them. So – uh, so quick quotes here. Some that stick out to me that this is the kind of mindset I think we want to have. Avante and Jacob or and Richie Haggerty talked about it. Avante said, this one feels just the same as the Northwestern. When being one on the conference is all, we, all we're shooting for. Then Richie said, we didn't take Northwestern as a huge win. We took it as a good win, but move on to the next. We have conference. We have bigger goals to achieve. We realized we had to come together as a unit and become one. We showed it at Northwestern and even more today. Uh, obviously, that's, like I said, the mindset we want them to have that even Northwestern's a huge team, no matter how much they're struggling. Big Ten, it is a, it's a big win for everybody else, and it should be for the players, and they know that. They took they celebrated that win, but it's good to see that they treat it like another win because that's the mindset you need to beat teams you need to beat, and then going up against teams that are going to be tough to beat. So that's a great mindset. Uh, Nick talked about how Jacob's just the glue of the team for sure. It's just not a fluke when you're able to do it continually about him. Uh, and then Nick uh, Coach Hill said, if you look at the way – Nick Baker spread the ball around the way he was on third down, the way he was like, getting the ball out of his hand. No sex against a team that brings a lot of pressure. Nick's played some of the best football quarterbacks played around here. 
I know I had a – there was a thing on here that said that Nick has seven touchdowns and zero picks in his last two games. That's a whatever, right, because we know he threw the pick against the tipped interception against Northwestern. So I just had a quick stat check there. That when I saw that, I just knew that he had one. And that would be – he's pretty much just playing Quinn football. Nick Baker is playing really good. Nick said North Dakota's a good team, and it was a good win. Final quote here, he said, we pressed hard in the first couple games, wanted to make a play. It hurts you to do that. You have to allow the game to come to you and trust the other 10 guys to do their job. Uh, when the ball comes to you and you're asked to make an individual play, you got to go make that play. You just have to play sound football. And he said they've really answered the call. And that was about converting eight of 12 on third down. Uh, and, yeah, didn't turn the ball over and never punt. So, yeah, quality game. I You know, even for, like, some post dogs of the game, I guess we don't have to come up with any just a, you know, good performance by – I'd say the, the Cox brothers just continuing. And, and, Jacob, you know, it's obvious ones. Noah, quickly, do you think you could come up with any – offensive and defensive uh, dogs of the game after this? Yeah, obviously, um, I'd give offensive dog of the game to that O-line. I mean, no sacks with a team that brings some exotic pressures and brings a lot of pressures, probably one of the highest percentage blitzing teams, um, not only in the Missouri Valley, probably in the, in the FCS. Um, brings a lot of different looks, playing that 3-4 um, with those linebackers. Uh, defensively. Um, I'm going to give it to Branson Combs. Obviously, he had a huge game. So, uh, yeah, obviously those two um, would be in my book. I agree with you. And like I mentioned, the Cox brothers could be in there because there's a stat here. They combined for 11 of our 22 catches we had in that game. So half of the production. So that's just incredible. So a great game. We'll get into some, like we said, some, uh, you know, rankings potentially where we could be in, you know, different kinds of ones. But quickly, uh Nick Baker this week passed 400 career completions uh, and 4,000 career yards. Or he's uh, – yeah, he passed and, he's, and he should pass 5,000 career yards tomorrow. So where he ranks now, he's seventh. He, he's still seventh behind Nick Hill in passing yards for a career. He's sixth. He passed he passed Nick Hill in pass completions, and he passed Sam Straub and is behind Scott Gabbert from the late 80s, early 90s, or he's tied with him and touchdown passes. So we're thinking that he could very well, Noah, end up, like you said, behind Joel, who will never get passed again, surely. Maybe one of these days, who knows. But and if Nick's got another year, uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, another year to play, whatever the word, that word is escaping me. But uh, maybe he could do it. I don't know. He could end up second at the end. So that's him. And then Avante, like I said, the short time Avante's been here, he's climbing the ranks, 177. Uh, catches now in only 36 games. Uh, he still has that record of most or behind Cornell Craig, and he very well could pass it. I'm thinking he will, obviously. Pass Cornell Craig for most consecutive games played with a catch at 36. He's only two behind Cornell. And then he is behind Michael for third all-time in receiving yards. He'll catch him soon. And then Landon for that. I mentioned that stat of them having half the production. Landon uh, said legendary of them doing that so good to see Landon's doing well Noah so uh so yeah other than that and then Noah quickly okay you went over and rewatched it Nick's presser from Monday some things or some injury updates any other takeaways you had from that yeah obviously um there's some good questions that were asked this week um obviously he started off with a helmet question and uh he's not really a big doesn't know a lot about helmets but obviously it's all about that safety first. Um, we we saw, we've seen this in the NFL already this week um, with the way Tua went down and got slammed on his head. So 
Um, obviously safety first with those helmets, but um, he was asked, um, I think it by, I think it was by Matt Varney. Obviously, he's been asked this every week. An update on Isaiah. Um, Isaiah is still probably, he thinks he'll be back um, this season, but he's still quite a bit. I'd say after, I'd be shooting for after that bye week at North Dakota State, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but he says we'll, he, we should see him in action this season. So, um, which really has been kind of a, a whirlwind of injury. Obviously, he says it's one of the most uh, rough hamstring injuries he's ever seen. But um, if I'm not mistaken, we've talked about it before, but it was before the Incarnate Word game that, or maybe it was, the, it was after the fall scrimmage that he, Mike Reese asked about him and he said he saw him jump up and touch the goalpost and that he would make a travel to the Incarnate Word game. And all of a sudden, um, I don't know if – he re he aggravated even worse, but it went from probably close to coming back in the first couple of weeks to uh, potential maybe out for all year potentially. Yeah, and that's it's very unfortunate. You actually had a perfect time for maybe what he could or when he could come back. It's after that bye when we do host North Dakota State. That'd be just for the home stretch. You know, it's not like. If we were struggling to score points and it's like, yeah, you know, our other receivers outside of Avante aren't doing anything. Jacob Garrett's not doing what he's doing. Struggling to score points, we could really use an Avante or a Isaiah to, you know, help us out. That's not the case right now. So it's almost like do everything you can to get healthy and get back at the end of the year for the final stretch because we're doing just fine without you. It is unfortunate because coming back out of the portal, he was expecting big things. And maybe hopefully, even if it's a – a year where he plays 10% of the season that he can stay and be the guy again next year and not leave. Who knows with that, but um, it's good to see. I mean, he would have something to prove. I guess he couldn't leave just based on old film that, you know, he would, he would almost have to stay. We're hoping that's the case. And then he did say Roquan, whether we already talked about it or not, he'd confirmed that Roquan Lindsay's out for the year, which is unfortunate for depth. But you see guys like Dewey Green getting two sacks in the last two weeks. That's huge. And guys like Quentin Lee as well. So it's, it stinks for Roquan in his last season, but uh, we're going to try to win for him best as we can. So now, no, let's get around the FCS. There was a great game matchup we talked about beforehand, and it was a good game up until the end. We'll dive into that. Let's dive into that first and then other key games that happened. Yeah, obviously, there were some big games uh, this weekend across the Missouri Valley, and obviously with uh, Missouri Valley play opening up, then you had a couple good games um, across the FCS. Uh, but we talked about Missouri State, South Dakota State, um, Missouri State coming off a uh, really close game at Arkansas, wondering what they how they would respond. Uh, but South Dakota State goes in there and handles business. Uh, 28-14, uh, South Dakota State's defense played really well. Holding uh, that Missouri State Bears offense of 14 points is pretty impressive. Yeah, we talked about it that uh... – you know, it happened with them in the last game when Missouri State was up seventeen nothing on Arkansas, and it seemed like they uh, seemed like they just can't finish games. And that's that's I think where our team. Hopefully, I'm trying to find the game here as so I click on the box score, but uh, yeah, it's the, the fact that they can't close games, they can't score at the end of games. Whether it's I know it's against good teams, and we're hoping that we can have the caliber of defense to do that to them. But yeah, they did. They scored in the third quarter to tie it at fourteen, and then yeah, then it was fourteen unanswered from 
South Dakota State. But uh, just a great matchup, you know, I think. And we'll see him. In a, we're not going to see South Dakota State this year outside of maybe a playoff, potentially doubtful, which is, we might have lucked out on that. But Missouri State, yeah. If they can start really strong, but it's just finishing. And uh, Shelly had two picks in this game. Uh, their leading receiver only had one catch. It was for a big play. Gronowski was great. 22 of 29, 319, four touchdowns. Had to have been maybe the Missouri Valley player of the week. Not sure if he was. But they had this quality play. I mean, stat stuffers, Edward. So that was just an enormous game. Like I said, We'll, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll talk about it when we do Missouri State next week, and hopefully the team's looking at it. That you need to finish them because they do not finish strong. Yeah, then elsewhere, um, what turned out to be a really good game, um, North Dakota State traveled uh, to South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota actually was up 17-10 at halftime. Um, that's a tough place to play. Obviously, we went there in the playoffs last year. Um but at halftime, the Bison uh, really just could, took control, uh, scored 24 unanswered in the second half, so a 34-17 victory for the Bison. Um, but a heck of a first half for South Dakota. Then Northern Iowa traveled uh, to the road to play Western Illinois and blew Western Illinois out 52-17. Yeah, it stinks for South Dakota not being able to score in the second half of that game. This game for Northern Iowa, 52. I mean, that I think – and I know it's against a, you know, rough Western team. Uh, but if scoring 52 is a lot. That can, you know, jumpstart a team. We talked about how they've been down in the dumps and that, you know, when we get to that game against them at home, that it would be key to uh, get that win. But, you know, if that rejuvenates them, then then who knows. But you're right. And there were a lot of buys this week. You know, Illinois State had a buy, Youngstown. So – uh and there was another game. And we talked about SEMO earlier, just talking about other teams that we played that they barely won. They barely beat Central Arkansas. Any other games? No, there was a, there was another game, a team we played this year that was in a barn burn. Yeah, Incarnate Word um, played in, in conference. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana, not the same team as they were under Cole Kelly, but um, I got to tune in for the last couple of minutes of this game. And uh, Southeastern Louisiana scored, um, I think it was like a 60-yard touchdown. I think it was 57 yards to be exact. Uh, at time expired um, to win the game. So an upset down in Louisiana. Um, Incarnate Word really thought they could run the table, but um, an upset there by Southeastern Louisiana. For sure, we talked about how Incarnate Word didn't really get the respect they deserved of getting as high as they were with the wins that they had. Then they lose a barn burner, then everybody just doesn't care about them. So they'll, they'll continue to go the rest of the way. They're obviously already almost a playoff team. So looking at quickly, looking at the, uh, the conference uh, standings, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and us won nothing. We know UND had a game before that against UNI. So them, they both are one and one. Uh, and then obviously the Owen, the Owen one, Missouri State, South Dakota and Western. And then, Indiana State and Youngstown and Illinois State have not played yet. They had a bye this past week. So they'll be looking forward to their games, obviously one against us and then the others. Um, we'll dive into those when we do our preview of what those matchups look like. Uh, quickly, Noah, there was obviously new rankings this week. And according to staff, how much apparently nobody else cares about uh, – I want to say I'm looking at the right one right now. I think the main account tweet about where we were. Are we 20th? 
I think we're 23rd. Is that what the main account tweeted? I'm looking at something at something I think that was uh no, it says we're 19 on stats before me. Yeah, yeah. We moved up five spots to 19. I was looking at a different one, but uh what are some other ones? FCS Fans Nation Radio had us at 22 behind SEMO at 21. Uh but back to the one that I and with coaches poll, I don't I guess we're not on. Uh but Noah, looking at that uh, stats perform, anything sticks out to you about where we are, where everyone else is in the Valley? Yeah, obviously, um, just talked about the Carnet War, and they slid a couple spots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, being at 19, um, we're probably still lucky um, to be in the top 25. But, obviously, SEMO um, finally, I think they jumped in the top 25. Doesn't. They haven't gotten the credit they deserve. Um, them at 24, um, really don't see any reason why we should be above them um, since they beat us head-to-head. Um, that's why I always think the coaches' poll uh, matters most. Um, North Dakota obviously drops out of the top 25 with a loss. Youngstown only received three votes so far. I think um, they deserve more votes across um, – but other than that, obviously Missouri State falls to seven, um, but we know the two top the Dakota schools uh, being at the top of the leaderboard. So um, interesting to see uh, just other outside of the Missouri Valley. Um, Jackson State, obviously we know what Deion Sanders has done there. They moved up to nine. Um, wish we could see them in the playoffs, but. Other than that, locally, like OVC-wise, UT Martin at 15, um, they are 2-2 two and two on the year. Um, so pretty interesting. I think we could probably, uh, even if they flipped us in SEMO, uh, just like FCS Fans Nation has us um, right behind them, I think SEMO deserved a little bit more credit um, for beating us, especially at our place. So, um can't complain being at 19, but there could be, could be some changes. Yeah, and then some other things I noticed. We know Reddit FCS, which shout out to them for adding our podcast to their uh, feed to where other you know people can look at other FCS pods as well, adding us to that. They always do the imperialism, and we're on here after our North Dakota win. We So we own a lot of uh, like New Mexico and if I can get my states right, not sure over there. Obviously, we own a lot of upper North Dakota and then up in the uh, upper Chicago area or Illinois area and some parts of this. Illinois State owns a lot of um, uh, Wisconsin and other parts of Illinois. So maybe we can notch that and see this next week. That'd be cool. Those are always really cool to look at. And then, no, I noticed someone, I think it was Craig Haley, that reposted something that 100 days from Frisco. So just something we know it's an important day, whether we're there or not, but 100 days on the dot until that happens. So then, Noah, speaking of, we talked about, we always keep up with teams that we faced and or beat or both. And we know Northwestern hosted Miami of Ohio again this week. I think Northwestern debuted some like all black unis and Noah, they lost again. Um, I don't have the score in front of me yet of how they lost, but no, I believe they paid Miami of Ohio about, about half a million, 550,000 to lose. Once again, Noah, tough spot that they are in, but you know, I guess a bright spot for them is the fact that they showed a, uh, a huge new stadium we, that they're going to be building in the next couple of years. Cause we know we're at Ryan field. It's really old school. It's, Rusty, a lot of places, a lot of old. It's just got the old school look, and that can be cool to an extent. But no, this new place 
And the fact that the Bears are getting a new one, granted, it's outside of the city, far away. But the fact that the city of Chicago is getting these brand new stadiums, you know, Northwestern is pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy that uh, obviously getting to see Ryan Field um, when we made the trip, uh, then them, yeah, obviously you can use that in the next couple of years, you can use that out of the recruiting trip, uh, a recruiting thing. So um, get new guys in there. Um, but yeah, obviously, them losing another, obviously losing three in a row at home. Um, obviously, losing to Duke um, before they lost to us, um, pretty crazy. Um, losing seventeen fourteen to Miami, Ohio, um, which hasn't been a bad program. Obviously, we know Richie Haggerty came from there, and I believe it was—I think it was five hundred fifty thousand they paid us. I think it was like nine hundred fifty thousand. They pay Miami, Miami, Ohio to come in and beat them, which um, obviously a, that's a discussion um, for Northwestern fans, but do you fire Pat Fitzgerald? I mean, that's almost a guy that has a lifetime contract, I feel like, because he's a legend there. That'd be hard to fire him. Yeah, and we talked about that either early in the week or whatever, that he's been there since 2006. We talked about how when he talked – to Nick Hill about being a young coach and getting a job like that. That's how young he was when he got the job. I mean, he's had that job for 16 years and just been on staff and then got the head coaching job for that long. So that's, that is incredible. Yeah. An $800 million project privately fund for the new venue of Northwestern. It's incredible. I mean, it's lower capacity. They're saying, so they're going to tear down Ryan field and build this modern smaller capacity stadium. So, that's definitely caught our eye. Like I said, we'll keep up with Northwestern the rest of the way. Hopefully they can get some decent wins to make us a little better. So um, there's that, Noah. And then quickly, we know Jacob Garrett was on in the doghouse on Monday. Got a chance to listen to a little bit of it from what I remember that he was – I just remember something that stuck out about him and Nick Baker's relationship, that they've been, you know, really good friends and best friends for a long time, that they trust one another on the field and their relationship and chemistry is really good. No, anything else you take away from that that you remember? Yeah. I mean, obviously what you just said, I mean, what the, the relationship they've built here, I think they came in together. Um, it's crazy to see um, the tight ends he's became um, being here for so long. The leader, obviously we know um, coach Hill has called him the glue of this team a lot here recently talking about him. So really good interview. If you guys yet to check that out. And speaking of Jacob real fast, we talk about NIL a lot. Um, so the Saluki football Alliance, a couple of players, including Jacob, it was Jacob Keenan and George Douglas are the only ones we've seen that have posted about it, uh, about going and uh, helping uh, maximize opportunities with the help of fans and going into local classrooms and visiting and all that stuff. And, you know, they partnered with the Alliance to, to get that done. And that's an amazing thing. They added the website for people to go check that out. Like I said, NIL opportunities and just cool things for the community. As we know, Nick Hill preaches all the time about community base and it's important, especially for guys like George Douglas, who we know has been entrenched in doing a lot of this stuff since he's been here. We know Keenan and Jacob have been here a long time. We know Keenan is, his heart is sold on, uh, you know, this university and everything, but, Speaking of him, though, real fast, because I mentioned that, did you get a chance to listen to uh, his interview with Saluki Radio the other day? I did not. But he said that's just, yeah, neither being a captain is his favorite accomplishment. He said, we know 
production-wise, Keenan hasn't been there fully. We mentioned he had a half a sack, but he's done uh, obviously a good job at this point. He's one of the leaders of this team. So, and then Noah, other small stuff I saw, uh, Nick Baker was on a thing. There's a couple of uh, girl athletes that do these videos talking to athletes, and they had Nick Baker on, and they asked him, but he said they were stranded on a deserted island. Uh, what two teammates would Nick bring with him? He said Bo because he's huge and strong, can move stuff, and he said Jacob Garrett, which Jacob's all everywhere. He mentioned Jacob. We talked about their friendship and the fact that he's smart and can move things as well. So I think Nick would be in good shape on a deserted island. And then, no, there was a cool painting in uh, at SIU in the big intersection of town over there off campus. A huge logo, SIU logo mural that was painted there. That's really cool. So it'll be something everybody sees when they go to that because that's it's almost like you have to go to that intersection when you leave and come into town. And then Noah, now let's get into NFL Salukis. We know Jeremy is the most active of them all doing things. And Noah, he had a heck of a week this week, and then we'll bounce into some other NFL teams that visited. But Noah, uh, Jeremy's uh, this past week, if I could find it here, what he did. Uh, he had eight tackles, two passes defended, and one sack against the Saints, which is huge. Not sure who they play this week off the top of my head, but no, a huge game from Jeremy. And Because uh, one of the teams you know very well that visited this week, run down those teams quickly. Yeah, obviously Jeremy becoming the player he has is incredible. Uh, but obviously seeing teams, um, a lot of teams coming in here and visiting Obviously, the Tennessee Titans is the one you're referring to that I know very well. Um, you get to see your Chargers in here. I'm sure they will. I think all of them will make their rounds eventually. Um, but um, some other teams, I think the Vikings. The Vikings were one of those teams here. Um, if I can scroll, the Bears, the Chiefs. Um, I hate to see our guys go to the Chiefs. I don't like the Chiefs. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of teams coming in here, making their ways around the country, looking at guys, um, seeing if there's any potential uh, more NFL Salukis. Yeah, it's great. And I know, you know, the Titans, obviously, you're right. My Chargers haven't been there yet. But some teams make a couple rounds apiece and, you know, or a couple times. So, yeah, we'll see how every NFL team make their rounds in there. Good to see Jeremy. We'll we'll visit him again next week for what he did this past week. He's they had a video on him too. I mean, he's like he's a captain on the team. They post about him all the time. He's just one of the faces of the franchise, and it's amazing. So now Noah, take us into the commits games, what they did this past week. If they're accurate, we talked about the post dispatch was rough at first, maybe got the hang of it. We haven't talked to Logan about this past week. He posted maybe highlights and stuff. Let's dive into him and everyone else and then what they got going on tonight, which about to kick off in about an hour or so or right now. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let's start. Let's start with our newest commit, and Cameron White in the Huntsville Panthers. They are three and two on the year. Um, they're on the road tonight um, against a one and four Albertville team. So, um, hopefully, to improve to four and two, we'll keep you updated on our newest commit. Uh, but you mentioned Logan Benton. Um, they came off a. They are, they had a tough loss last week, eighteen to seven, um, to Parkway West. Uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch had Logan down for one catch for seventeen yards. Um, not sure that's accurate. I don't know. Hopefully it is. Uh, but a tough loss for Logan and his team. Um, they're back. I think it's homecoming. I think he tweeted um, today it's homecoming for Lafayette. 
hopefully they can um, get back on track there. Um, then back down in Alabama, our guys in Prattville, um, three and two on the year, um, coming off a 49 to 10 victory last week. They're also on the road um, playing a four and two enterprise team. So hopefully they can get to four and two and uh, continue their little little winning streak, uh, make it three wins in a row for our guys down in the Prattville Lions in Carmelo Smith and Tice Cotri. Um, down in Georgia, um, we talked about our guy, Amir DeWide a lot in Crisp, Crisp County, um, continuing their their ways um, as I look for that. Um, they were on the road at Northside last week. Um, it's a, it's a, they're obviously off to a rough start. Um, they were, um, three and one going into last week, having a good, um, as it loads here, they lost last week, a tough loss, um, last week on the road, 29 to 10 at North side. Um, they play tomorrow actually at six 30, um, on the road at, Daughtery, so another hopefully get back on the track after losing last week. Um, Olympia Spartans and our boy Blake uh, Blaine Halley, Olympia, uh, got back on the right track. Uh, they lost a couple in a row to some really good teams, um, but they get a 34 to 15 victory uh, last week. Um, out in Kansas, Miles Wash. Um, another victory for them. So they improved to three and one, 28 to 20 win over Hutchinson. Um, they're on the road this week, um, at Hayesville campus, um, one and three teams. So hopefully improved to four and one there, um, make that four wins the road for miles wash, um, up in Indiana and the crown point bulldogs and Aiden Durig. Um, they improved to six and all in the year. Um, they play a one and five La Porte team today, so hopefully um, they continue to run the table. Um, then our last but not least, Baker Gators and uh, our boy Caleb Wagner. Um, hopefully all safe down there in Florida with the hurricane. Um, but they're coming off a they're coming off a bye week. Uh, I think last week got canceled. Maybe um, there is no score in. Um, in the website that I use, um, but they are on the if they are playing tonight, they're on a home. They're actually at home against Lighthouse Private Christian Academy, um, a one a one and three team. So um, hopefully they can get a win this week. Yeah, good stuff once again. Uh, adding Cameron to that. It's it's a really good class, and we're we're not done, as we know. There's some other ones out there, as are some of these, and some of these guys that were here this past or at this past game. We know there have been visits; they posted about them. But some, as far as we, you know, we there might be some others that we, you know, might find and retweet, you know, at some point. But a lot of these guys made the game, uh, and some of these other recruits, like 2024 quarterback out of Mount Carmel, Blaine Sisson. Hope I'm saying that right. He had week one through four this year. He's putting up 632 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground, 20 touchdowns in the air. 
1,200 passing. Incredible from him. He saw Cooper Phelan, who they know each other. They were both there. Some other ones here. Uh, uh, Michael Linear, he is a uh, 2023 quarterback athlete and defensive back, team captain. He was there. He's got a 4.6 GPA. Jaden Vonner, who was a uh, uh, defensive back and a wide receiver, six foot, 190 pounds. He was there with some friends, tagging a lot of the guys. He said he had a facilities tour as well. And that's what the quarterback from Mount Carmel said that he uh, is an electric win and he was proud to be there. Some other ones here Jaden Latham. He is a 510, uh, you know, defensive back, safety, and athlete. All these guys have really high GPAs from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. He is from Armand Russell, for, also from Kansas City, from the same school as the previous kid. He's a wide receiver, defensive back, 6'2, 175. Uh, Hayden Carroll, three star quarterback. We've talked about him, 6'6, 190. He was there. It's cool to see. Hopefully he enjoyed himself with that kind of size. We're very hoping he enjoyed himself. And then J.P. Rock, who we know covers a lot of uh, Missouri, he we retweet him because he posts about some of these Missouri guys that were there. We wished Caleb Wagner, who you talked about and his status, wished him happy birthday about five days ago. Uh, and then Jameer Khan, who is a – can't tell what he is, Noah. I think – uh, some of these that I haven't ruled down, I think he's the big kid in the middle, perhaps. Any others that we missed, he, he tagged uh, Coach Hawthorne in this one. Though. A lot of kids here, we talked about our staff doing a great job getting these kids in here, and it's good to see, obviously, a dominant win that these kids get to see to help make their decision maybe a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being in, um, obviously, getting to see a victory, um, but getting a lot of kids on campus. Um, we got some more home games. Um, seeing a lot of Good to see a lot of twenty, some twenty twenty four kids. Um, we're starting that pretty early that recruiting process. Um, but yeah, the twenty twenty three guys, a couple quarterbacks, um, is interesting to see um, get on campus, um, especially with the way our room is right now. Um, but yeah, obviously there's some kids out there that we're paying paying a close eye to. Um, I we try to keep everybody updated with guys that. We try to like things that guys were interested in on um, to keep you guys updated as much as we can. But, yeah, obviously a good dominant victory just for guys to be a part of and get a um, really good facility tour. So um, that's cool to see. Yeah, and like I said, if, you know, wins can help. We talked about some kids that might go to the North Dakota State game down the road for our homecoming games or even the games against you and I and Western and stuff that hopefully we can get some wins to like I said, help convince them. But of course, so we'll be eyeing more of those and retweeting them as we find, as we find them over the course of the season, we follow them and they follow us back and we'll see what their future holds. But all right, now into this preview for tomorrow night, six thirty game We're we're happy to be able to go, but we know, we noticed a couple, we were hoping to go actually just be fine. Maybe get them online, maybe get them at the stadium when we get there. We went there four years ago. We know the it was kind of a charade with trying to find parking, get up there and pay the money that we did. But no, this this weekend, which appears to be their family weekend, you texted me out of the blue the other day or yesterday and said, or two days ago, and said that they are sold out. That was according to someone who was over there and covers the team or covers the program. That caught us off guard. No, we were able to find tickets and, Unfortunately, you know, you had to overpay for a lot of them. I got them on Ticketmaster for us, but had to settle with lawn seats because even the other general admission that they even had on there wouldn't load. I guess that means that they're sold out and they wouldn't go. So, no, we have 
uh, lawn seats. We'll be able to stand around, maybe sit where we want to get to wait and see. We really wanted to go to this game, Noah. Uh, so, one, your thoughts on that, which is kind of ridiculous, an advanced sellout is what they're saying. And we recall the game we had against them last year, down 17 nothing, scored 35 unanswered and won. Noah, let's dive into the Redbirds. Yeah, obviously, um, with with that being – I mean, we went up there a couple of years ago, and I think it was like 60 bucks for just general admission seats. Um, they run their they run their stuff like a FBS program. It's pretty crazy to see. Um, I know a lot of some Saluki fans that um, don't like paying 15 to 20 for a bleacher seat at our home games, but obviously we do some ticket sales and stuff. But uh, yeah, sell out, and they brought their they introduced their all blackout jerseys, um, which will be a nightmare for. Um, Mike Trude and Mike Reese to be able to tell uh, who the heck he is on the field and playing at some points. But, uh, yeah, this team, um, obviously a rival. We won't get to see them in the next couple of years um, because of scheduling with adding Missouri or Murray State um, to the conference. Uh, this team was picked eighth in the Missouri Valley preseason poll. Uh, this is a team that's always known uh, for defense under um, their coach that we have a lot of respect for. Um, excited to see this matchup. Uh, coach Spack, um, that's been up there for 14 years. Obviously, took him back-to-back shares of the Missouri Valley title in 14 and 15 and took him to that FCS championship game appearance in 14 as well. Um, this is a team that obviously off to a rough start, had to go – up to Wisconsin, got blown out of Wisconsin. And um, in that game, they lost uh, their leading rusher from last year, um, which we were really impressed with. Uh, and Cole Mueller, um, their leading running back from last year, lost him for the year. So they've had some guys in Winker's right um, and Felix Brown um, really step up. And uh, Winker's right has really been really good for them. Um. But they have a new quarterback um, this year, spent some time in the Big Ten, and Zach Anikstad, um, transferred from Minnesota. Um, so really, a really a really veteran quarterback, um, knows how to control an offense. Um, with their new offensive coordinator, uh, Tony Peterson, that came in um, after getting let go from Illinois this year. So um, brought in some Big Ten experience in those stats. Um, but um, obviously in preseason – um, all conference teams. Um, they had defensively uh, Zeke Vandenberg. We mentioned him last year. A really good linebacker. Um, a guy to watch out for. Uh, I mentioned Cole Mueller. He was second team offense. Uh, Drew Bones, an offensive lineman, second team. Uh, then defensively, they really built up front. Uh, defensive lineman Braden Demi, a really really good defensive lineman. They're they're always known for defense. Um, at Illinois State, so a really good defensive team. Um, we're gonna have to be watch out for um, through four games. Illinois State, their defensive back forward backfield, which was gonna be kind of a question mark coming this year. Um, they have transferred DeAndre Lamont in from Central Arkansas and sophomore strong safety Condre Jackson, really starting to shine. Um, the Redbirds are second best uh, pass defense in the Missouri Valley. Uh, and ranked 19th nationally, only allowing 179 passing yards a game. So um, it's going to be a test for our offense and Nick Baker. 
Um, obviously, um, like I mentioned, Illinois State's always known for a tough defense, so it's going to be a tough battle on the road for our offense. For sure, and especially in that atmosphere, if they're sold out. I mean, there was a stat that, you know, Illinois State's won five of the last seven meetings between us. I don't remember the last time we won at their place. The only wins we have out of the, you know, two of the seven are home games back in 17 and then last year, obviously. And Yeah, I mean, they, we know they've had ups and downs. You know, they, you know, barely or didn't play in the COVID year. They kind of set that one out. And they've kind of been odd the last couple of years. After that dominance, you said, yeah, the success they had in the early 2010s and then up until the last couple of years, it's, it's crazy, but they're always good. You're right. Good defense. That's what Dan Clark said. That uh, we're gonna have to be on our to- rather be on our toes because Illinois State is always known for their defense. He would know facing them in, in practice all the time when he was there for six years. So you're right, and like I said, that's always a tough place to play. We don't have success there, and some of the personnel. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. It, who knows how their season would end up? I mean, Cole Mueller. Yeah, three for twenty-one before he got hurt to end his season. So they would have. Uh, you know, rode him a lot this year. Yeah, he killed us last year and was a part of that 17 nothing start for them. But yeah, Zach Anikstead, he's he's a big guy, 6'3", 220. He does uh, – I don't know if he – I haven't seen any of the tape to know if he throws it in traffic or it's bad luck. He does have more picks and touchdowns this year, 5-4. to four. He's about 594 on yards. We know they didn't play last week, so maybe his stats wouldn't look like what a Nick Baker's would or something, but – you're right. Yeah, their defense is tough. And knowing that how our offense is like lighting the world on fire lately, that that will be the biggest thing to watch out for tomorrow. And you mentioned the jerseys. Yeah, those are new jerseys that they're debuting. I think I saw on their thing that they're all their sports. I think girls soccer and volleyball are wearing black as well. It's like a dark out, you know, week or weekend for them. And the cool jerseys, it will be tough to see them for sure. And we had our jerseys. We're wearing maroon helmets with white. And uh, I saw it and don't remember. Are we? I wonder if we're wearing uh, maroon pants at all. I was going to look at that. Let me find it for a second. I think it um, was maroon pants, which I wish it was all white. Yeah. Match the black on black for white on white. But um, Exactly. But obviously they make their decisions. But, yeah, obviously it's going to be a tough game. Um, obviously we we saw what happened last year. Um, they dropped out to a 17 nothing lead on us. Um, like you mentioned, but we were able to come back last year, but in a sold out big stadium, it's rocking, um, have to get off to a good start. Like I said, one of the top right now, one of the top passing defense, um, in the country right now and in the Missouri Valley. So obviously going to be a big test for Nick Hill, Colin plays and Nick Baker and this offense, their D lines pretty, pretty stout. So. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Um, like to see what our defense um, stop the run and uh, make Anikstad uh, make some plays. Obviously, it's it's shown that he can he can turn the ball over, and maybe that's what changes the game. Yeah, and he's been sacked eight times as well. He's he's definitely more of the pro style. He's not going to run a whole lot. We know they've always had stout offensive lines, and Dan Clark would know that. Uh, to get to the QB, so it'd be nice to you know get some pressure there as well to then you know f- force him to make you know bad decisions and stuff or get him on the ground. That'd be key. I think we're just riding high in every facet. So uh, yeah, I think that'll be the uh, biggest test is 
uh, being able to score. And I'm thinking with the personnel outside of Isaiah and, you know, maybe a banged up Bryce Miller, we're relatively healthy for offensive lines being the way that it is. And then our offensive weapons and the way Nick's playing. I like our chances. We'll get into picks here at the very end. Uh, some more things as well. Uh, or there, there's some game notes and we'll get, I'll get into some quotes here uh, real fast. Then Nick said on Illinois state, he said their quarterback is an experienced guy. Sometime. Yes. In the big 10, as you said earlier, I guess you take it from this. They're always really physical up front, have a good offensive line. They have good tight ends. She had a good tight end. So that's something to keep an eye out for with our, uh, you know, our linebackers and our, you know, hybrid safeties and stuff. A lot of, so if they use a couple tight ends on their offense to get going with, uh, with their quarterback, he just said they play good football, as we know, every single year. And Nick talked about third and long situations, getting opponents into third and long situations. He said that's key to winning football games is having success on first down. When you're in a bad down and distance, you aren't on schedule and you don't have on schedule play calls. When you can get your guys playing well on first and second down, you can get to your sub packages. The menu of plays you see really shrinks down. Winning on early down success is super important on both sides of the ball. Some quick game notes here, Noah. And I'll read this. Go ahead and I'll, then I'll kick it to you on if the uh, depth chart looks similar to what we could see tomorrow with who. Uh, some quick things here. There's six SIU players with 40 or more games in their career. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's Mikel, who has the most. Him and him and Keenan have the most. They are the oldest on the team. They have 48 career games. Javon with 42. Raekwon, unfortunately, he's at 41. He's not playing anymore. That'd be nice to have him get that huge number. Jacob Garrett, 41 as well. And Justin Strong with 41. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to a lot of veterans this year, as was last year, not as much because there was an enormous amount of seniors last year. No, anything change on the depth chart for this week? Yeah, uh, finally, um, the offensive line gets shift to what it's been, so um, they change it on the depth chart. So it shows Bo, Jake, Jacob Chase, and Abdu starting. Um, Sam Buck now backing up Jake Green at left guard. Derek Harden Jr. now backing up Chase Evans at right guard. Uh, Jackson Saley is actually now the backup tackle. He's been spending some time inside, um, but at the 6'4 size, he can play either or. Um, other than that, not a lot of changes. Um, did see interesting that we've seen a lot of Mark Davis Jr., but Colin Hurd still named the backup behind DJ Johnson uh, and David Miller, so not sure what's up with that. Um, but other than that, that is all the changes that's been made. Um, so staying the same, being consistent, good to see those five consistent starters on that offensive line. So um, defense has been playing well, so no changes to be made this week. And it's crazy seeing the starters there that's, you know, Mikhail backing up Chris Harris, George behind Branson and Dune behind Zach. That just shows you because Dune, George, and Mikhail have been making a lot of plays. So if those are our backups – we're in really good shape and you're right. I think, you know, everyone on defense has played well enough to earn, you know, still the right that they are like Antonio still backing up PJ and free safety and Easton behind Clayton. So keeping those guys in their places. Yeah, you're right. It's good to see. And hopefully when they post right before the game time about who's starting that, hopefully that's updated. I'd, I'd like to think it won't be, but who knows with that. So looking to go out there with the same thing we've been doing, hopefully to keep the same success. So now Noah, before, let, or let's get into uh, potential – let's do dogs of the game and then we'll dive into predictions. For this game, the importance of being on the road in that hostile environment, potentially who you got on offense that could lead, lead us to success. Yeah, obviously, um, I mentioned with their passing defense, um, 
So I'm going to – haven't picked him all year, but this needs to be a Nick Baker game. Um, he's going to have to lead this offense um, in a hostile environment, being sold out. Um, I'm going to put my – I'm going to put – this is where we need to have a really solid, efficient – obviously, we've seen it the last couple of weeks, Nick Baker game. Um, so that's my pick. Yeah, and I want to say I want to continue with the – I mean, it's, it seems that Gibson's still a starter, even though he's getting like a catch per game, if that's probably on the average, probably less than that, maybe a half catch a game, and Jay Jones behind him still. Uh, I'd say the pass catchers for that, to, for Nick, even though the offensive line's played really well, I'll go with uh, Romier to keep going with his season because if we want to, you know, establish the run, if we can get a lead and maybe run some clock and, like I said, kind of establish the run to open up, you know, the the passing game, that'd be key. I'll, I'll go with Romir in this one, even though Javon, I feel like this seems like a big Javon game potentially. So we'll see in that. And for defense, hmm, I'll go with, I don't know, it's it's a good call because I think Branson could continue doing what he's doing, especially with not their, not with Mueller playing with their running game and they don't really throw. I think it, I think we got to get to the quarterback here. I'll go with, Richie had two sacks last game. I'll go with him this game. I wanted to go with Okiki. Does any of those guys get pressure on the outside for this quarterback who's been sacked eight times? I think that's pivotal. Like I said, you could say guys in the middle, stop the run is huge, and then on the outside as well. But if you can get pressure, then none of that would even matter. No, who you got. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with one of those guys in the middle. Um, doesn't get a lot, of, a lot of talked about. Doesn't get a lot of stats. Um, takes on some double teams at times in that middle gap. But I'm going to go with Keenan Agnew um, to, to have a really good game, um, help stop the run, plug some gaps um, in that runoff, in that running game. So uh, Keenan is my pick. Uh, then special teams, um, I think it's a uh, rivalry game on the road, a hostile environment could come down um, to a potential game-winning field goal. So I'm going to go with Jake Bumgarner. That's exactly what I was going to say because I'm over here looking at around game time tomorrow and normal what the wind could be. It looks about southwest and about – it's not 10 miles an hour. It goes from 9 to about 8. It sustains the rest of the evening. So being outside and the kind of – we know we talked about how their stadium is kind of like both sides, you know, big, uh, you know, stadium compared to like – or the seats, how they are, like kind of how McCander used to be. So wind can definitely fly through there. So I would agree – it will come down probably to some kicks. Potentially, our offense can't get going and score six. We're going to have to at least put some points on the board. Go forward at times, like if we're deep in their territory and it's fourth and short and we we know we need points on the board, and go for it. But, yeah, we need Jake to be on his game for sure and potentially Torney if he needs to flip the field. So, no, obviously, again, we don't know a spread. We were talking about it earlier. What are we thinking the spread could be and obviously what we think we could do tomorrow? Yeah, obviously, um, Vegas has been up and down on what they want what they favor us. I think on a, on the road against a Missouri Valley opponent, I'd set it around six and a half, right around that touchdown mark, one score game um, on the road. Um, I'd set it around that. Yeah, we said that. I, I wouldn't go any higher than seven points, even though, we, yeah, we've always been wrong in picking. So that could happen. It seems right, though, because if they dig any deeper, oh, what's SIU success or what they're doing now, but what's their – previous history at this place they probably don't take that into account one bit but it's just knowing that we struggle there shouldn't be too high we're hoping it does remain i'll say between three and seven 
favorites for us because we are ranked and just how we are compared to how they're playing and the position they're in. So I agree with that, hoping for that kind of score or win in general. Noah, final thoughts on this one? Yeah, obviously, um, we've mentioned it. Family weekend up there, hostile environment. Going to be a rivalry game. Got to be on the road. Um, this is this is in the Missouri Valley football. Having to go win a, stack some more games, um, seeing how much this team has grown, uh, and being able to respond after a tough start, um, the maturity of this team. Um, Got to go stack another one. Hopefully, we've had a really good week of practice. Um, to go on the road to get a really tough victory, probably uh, going to probably go into the fourth quarter. So, um, big time game. We're going to need it. Um, expect to see, hopefully, a lot of Sluky fans make the trip. It's a six thirty game, I believe. If you're in the Southern Illinois area and have Direct TV, Direct TV, it's going to be on the Marquee Network. Um, so, getting a little, then it's on ESPN Plus for anybody else. So, um, expect to get a tough road victory in the Missouri Valley Conference tomorrow night. And everyone's talking about how important conference play is, and it is. We talked about this stretch. If we can get this win, go to three and two before – because you don't want to drop a game like this before you go at Missouri State a week later before you get into, like, the easier part of your schedule, per se. So this this win is a big one. You're right. Fans go up. I'm sure they were expecting to get tickets on the spot like we were, and they found out it was sold out, you know, if you wait too long. So we will – be walking around maybe in the lawn area just because we wanted to go really bad. So we found a way no matter what didn't overpay for tickets and sometimes it wouldn't work at all. So, I mean, it, it's crazy how we can be down in the dumps after 0-2 and, and now we're 2-2 two and two after two really good wins going to a robbery game like this. I mean, I, I, my confidence is sky high just thinking about how we're playing and if it can continue, like I said, into that next week, which is can be the biggest game of the year on the road. So, uh Got to love road games and the fact that everybody could go to it to get some maroon in that crowd would be nice in a packed environment. So looking forward to it. As you said, Marquee Sports Network ESPN Plus 630 kickoff, and you can find it on Saluki Radio 101.5 for one of those who cannot go. Looking forward to it. Cannot wait to get up there after work tomorrow. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Until next week, go dogs.